I went over to Scotland about six weeks ago. We went on a whiskey distillery tour and it was just, it was sad and fantastic. And he was a, like a beautiful man, wonderful man. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports and you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday all the way until five. Remember, Football and Off The Ball brought to you by Sky. Get more of the sports you love and sports extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports. We're streaming the conversation as well. You can listen around the country on News Talk. Watch us as well on the Off The Ball digital and social channels. From Periscope and Twitter, at Off The Ball, YouTube and on Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. We're joined on the line this week by the former Republic of Ireland International and Liverpool legend Mark Lawrence and co-Ramblers manager Shane Keegan and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. You can join the conversation now, folks, on our text number 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or on Twitter at Off the Ball. Who do you want to see the World Cup win the World Cup now, even? Would you like England to do well uh, if you support one of their players in the Premier League? Or, or would you rather they go out as soon as possible? What's your view on the quality of the football that's been on offer? And Eddie O'Keefe of Limerick stole the show this week, folks. The Irish contribution to the World Cup with his Just We Un Baguette viral. What is the maddest or funniest thing you've seen on your football travels? 53106, the text number. The Netherlands and the USA have kicked off the first of the last 16 matches in Qatar. Three minutes old with uh, the Dutch unchanged Christian Pulisic fit to start for the USA. Argentina, Australia this evening at seven. France, Poland tomorrow at three. England, Senegal tomorrow evening at seven. Japan, Croatia and Brazil, South Korea on Monday. Morocco, Spain and Portugal and Switzerland on Tuesday. Very sad news coming in. Um, these are unconfirmed reports, but reports nonetheless from reputable sources. Reuters, for example, and Brazilian media reporting that Pele is receiving palliative care in his battle against cancer, colon cancer. He's 82 years of age. He's in a hospital in Sao Paulo. Uh, Vinicius Jr., Rivaldo, Kylian Mbappe sending their best wishes on social media. Mark Lawrence, we hope he pulls through Pele, an icon of the game and of world sport. Yeah. And before yeah. Messi, before Maradona, there was Pelé who made the sport popular around the world with his three World Cup wins with Brazil. Well, that was, was it, uh, when did he score against Sweden? Was he 17? Yeah, 58, yeah, 1958. 58. I saw him, John, I saw him, I was nine. I saw him at Goodison playing for uh, Brazil. My dad took me um, and he got absolutely kicked off the pitch. I think he didn't last particularly long at all. But, you know, all, all players a lot older than me, your Bobby Charlton's and people that I knew, obviously, and, that I'd been involved with would just say was like absolutely unbelievable. And didn't he didn't he score a thousand goals? Yeah, Santos, wasn't it? Santos. Uh, and I mean if you think about it then, in those days, these lads got kicked pillar to post. Um so it must have been just amazing. And I think was it nineteen seventy when they won the World Cup and yes. they were brilliant and he did he score with a header that day? Against Italy in the final, yeah, they won four one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, words aren't really enough to describe him as a footballer, but he most certainly the best that I've ever seen. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and let's hope he pulls through. And uh, Shane mm. Keegan, I suppose when we all look back, uh, we're, we're not old enough when you see that Brazil team, Shane Keegan, and you see the colour of Mexico and, and the World Cup being brought into uh, a colour TV age and, and that nonchalant pass from Pele to Carlos Alberto for the, the fourth goal, Ojogo Benito, the beautiful game. That's why we're still talking about it here 52 years later. Yeah, look, obviously, John, a bit, a bit before my time, but you, you watch stuff back um, and even just the esteem and the reputation that he, he he was held in. I mean, he is, 
you know, arguably in the top two, three names that the word football is just associated with. You know, football, Pele, it goes hand in hand. And, you know, there's a, I don't know whether we should judge the, the, the talent of a soccer player on how many Simpsons appearances they made, but <laughs> he crossed generations when, when <laughs> popping up in a famous episode of The, the Simpsons, which just goes to show how uh, how much he transcended everything, really. Yeah, and no, obviously he's um, he's very sick in a, in a Brazil hospital. And like Pelé is Johnny just synonymous with the, the game being popular around the world, I would say. Absolutely, JD. Yeah, and uh, you know that pat that pass you mentioned is, um, you know, I guess it just uh, brings to mind how controlled Brazil could play at that time, and how they made football look so different, and how you know we're used to all these uh, players now. We see them all the time. We see them on our phones. We see them uh, on the TV. But that must have been like, um, you know, entering a new world to see the likes of Pele play like that, and. Um, I know you're quite strong in Brazil winning this tournament and as I've watched it um, I, I certainly give them a massive chance and um, you do feel that this will uh, in, a, in a way it will galvanise them you know Pele is an absolute icon like Shane Keegan says I, I would relate more to Maradona who um, very very sadly died way before his time um, Pele has lived a good life um, so far and I would hope that he will pull through if he doesn't pull through I think his legacy will be Im- immeasurable and I think this Brazil team actually might um, um if they're being a bit more kind of chilled out than maybe their Argentine rivals in terms of the goals that they've scored and they seem to be a little bit more um, on the ground uh, maybe a bit more level-headed I think the, the whole Pele thing will, will maybe bring them up to another level and um, it's fascinating to see how uh, this plays out for Brazil because I think they have a massive chance and um, yes our thoughts obviously with Pele at the moment uh, Mark Lawrence go on. And, yeah, go on Mark I was just going to say I, I met him twice two, two nights running Right. In, a, in in Germany, the World Cup in Germany, he was Leonardo was on a was on our panel. Yes, and um, we we did two nights together, myself and him, and, and I think Lineker was doing the program as well. Gary was doing the program. We just went back to our our hotel, and Leonardo said, "Oh, would you mind if my pal comes round as a drink with us?" And we just went, "Yeah, of course." We did. We weren't thinking it was your man, and uh, and he turned up. It was brilliant. He was great. Signed a, an autograph from my son, which obviously. Right. Uh, my son cherishes. He, he made it out to Sam, so yeah, I just right. said, I said to my Sam, "Listen, one day that'd be worth a lot of money, mate. Yeah, Keep well, hold of it." Well, he'll never sell it, obviously. Um, no. Uh, just in terms of the World Cup itself, look, there was uh, like all the right, the rightful talk about Qatar beforehand. Uh, in terms of the football, Mark, what have you enjoyed? Um, I've enjoyed that the so-called smaller countries. Um, have all improved. I think you can look at nearly every single one of them and uh, they've improved. I mean, I'm watching here, obviously, with, with USA. And USA should have scored. Policy should, should have scored yeah. after about three minutes. A guilt-edge chance. And they, at the moment, Holland can't get the ball. They're all over the place. Man, they're going to score now. And they have. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> you're ahead of me. You're, you're ahead of me, uh, Mark. You're Ronson. ahead of me, too. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's, just it's, ask me if you want anything. Memphis Depay. Just, Memphis Depay has scored. 1-0 to the Dutch against the USA. That's Honestly, can I just tell you, that's the first time that they've been in, what, it's coming up to nearly 10 minutes, it's the first time that the Netherlands have been in USA's half. USA have just completely bossed the game. As I say, Pulisic should just have scored. It was a brilliant opportunity. And, of course, what happens to you? You go down the other end. And good goal from Holland's point of view, most definitely. 
Mark, you've got the feed that uh, nobody else obviously has. You're a second or two. Well, yeah. Well, you know, if you pay the money, you can yeah, have a chance yeah. of getting it, can't yeah. <laughs> you, you? You can, Laurel. There's a guy celebrating in the most fantastic orange suit with a white shirt and orange tie that I've just seen. So uh, I might be down to the tailors next week. Uh, but Memphis Depay, uh, first goal of the tournament. Obviously had injury issues coming into it and he scored for the Dutch. And uh, will we see Louis van Gaal tell his critics uh, where to go after this game? Because at the moment, they're 1-0 <laughs> up uh, the Netherlands against... Uh, the USA in the first of the last 16 games. So yeah, like you're talking about Mark, you're talking about mm. uh, Japan, South Korea. Uh, I know they didn't get out of the group, but Saudi Arabia, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Um, just been, you know, they've been, we kind of, you, you look at, before the tour, we kind of looking at thinking, well, it might be a little bit of cannon fodder, but they haven't been. Um, and I like the way that they played the football. I mean, you know, e- even the Aussies, you know, they're going to be difficult to play against because at any sport that they must win. They're very, very competitive. But I just love the way they've they've gone about the business. All those teams, and I think what we've seen as well in the competition is generally the first halves, nearly all the first halves, has been quite dull. And then all of a sudden, the competition seems to have started in 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 the second half of every game. So. And obviously, when in the last few where we've had, you know, if somebody else got booked, you, you, you missed going through and obviously goals scored and all those kind of things. And um, I just think from now on, the tournament really will kick on. But I don't feel, which is a bit daft considering the uh, Netherlands are winning 1-0, I don't feel we'll have too many 90-minute games as in end-to-end. I just don't think it's going to be that way. It's not going to be one of those competitions that's going to be that like that. It's going to be... Just watch. Make sure you make sure at half time you are not losing this game, i.e. two 0 down or something, because it's too much to chase. So make sure you keep in the game, and then the second half is hopefully when the football actually really gets going. Is that a fair thing, Mark? Yeah, I think so. I think you know the big the big teams are under pressure, aren't they? And even more so because of the results. We've seen the results, and you know if you're the manager, you're thinking, look, we can't get beaten by Japan. We can't get beaten by. Australia and all those kind of things. And that, that's why I think it's actually been a, a really good competitive competition. But the football hasn't been brilliant as yet. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it will be. Um, Shane Keegan, Cody Gakpo, I'd say, will be um, on his way to the Premier League club before long. He's been very, very good, John. Yeah, he's been very, very good. Um, he really has. There was a lot of talk. You're, you know, you're, you're reading your world soccer magazines and the various different pullouts going into it. And... The general consensus seemed to be heading into it, which has pretty much proved true. I know Depay's injury maybe changed it slightly, but people were saying this guy's probably not even a, a starter um, for Holland. I think Bergwijn and, and Depay were expected to be the front two, but you know, watch him, watch him come off the bench, watch him make an impact, and and he could end up being in the starting eleven as as things go along. And look, that that is exactly how it's played out. He he looks a very very good player. He does look. Exactly the kind of player that Manchester United could could do with. Obviously, there's a huge amount of talk. Um, supposedly, they could have already had him previous to now for for as little as thirty million. Um, so yeah, that's one we'll be interested to see. He's, look, he's the sort of fellow that United fans, I would imagine, would be absolutely delighted to see arrive in the door. Um, Mark has talked about the so-called lesser teams uh, performing above their expectations as being what he's enjoyed the most. What about you, Shane? What have you enjoyed the most? Just the tightness of the groups, John. They've been brilliant. I mean, almost, you know, almost all of the groups have still been hanging in the balance in, in the last five minutes of the games, which has, has been brilliant. That that certainly wasn't the case uh, 
four years ago in Russia, and it's it's just edge of the seat stuff, and it's swinging one way and another. Um, you don't always get that. In fact, it's quite rare that you get that. I would say, what have we got? Eight groups. I would say you you might normally might get a bit of excitement in in two to three of them. We've we've had excitement in almost all of them so far. I mean, the last couple of days have just been brilliant. You know, sure, like yourself as a as a Spurs fan. You know, seeing seeing the celebrations from from Son when they managed to pull that off were were, were just incredible. Um, we had a brief period where we thought both Spain and Germany were going out. Um, that was that was an incredible group and and still transpired to be an incredible group with Germany going out. Um, yeah, look, they've all just been really really in the balance, which has led to you know as you say for all the for all the ills that are going on in the background um, on the pitch. I, I think the group stages have been have been excellent. I think they've been really really good. Uh, no one's no one won three games, did they? Um, no, I think right. there's anyone on nine points, Laura. No, you're right on that. Yeah, yeah some which is unusual. It is unusual, very unusual. Uh, somebody texted in John and Kilkenny. I saw Santos playing Dediman Park in the 1960s. So um, we'll uh, investigate who they were playing if they did play here. Uh, Johnny, um, I really hate FIFA's decision making when I see the World Cup going to 48 teams. And there's only one reason for that, and that's commercial, uh, because these group stage games in the last few days have been absolutely sensational. They really have, JD, and you know, um, I, I, I've kind of spent some of the World Cup looking looking back into the whole um, FIFA giving it to Qatar, and I think the most astonishing figure that that, that came to mind um, was this week. I was watching a documentary just on um, you know some of the migrant workers and the conditions that they they live in, and so on. Not to mind that the conditions that they work in, but give or take for every Qatari uh, for every Qatari person over the age of eighteen. This World Cup is roughly costing one million per person, one million per person that actually lives in Qatar, that's from Qatar, um, for a country that doesn't really have an infatuation with football and is not going to leave any legacy here because it's a country that will have to be effectively um, a monarchy or dictatorship because it's full of expats uh, who don't really have any proper rights. And the decision, it, the, the more you look into it, it's, it's absolutely sick. And, um, you know, Gavin Comiskey had an interesting article in the Irish Times today talking about um, Morocco. And, yeah, great uh, piece, the, yeah. The, Really great piece. And Gavin has ties to Morocco himself and he's very fond of the country. And I'd love to go to North Africa. But can you imagine the idea of a World Cup in in North Africa, in, in say, Morocco, like even the likes of Algeria, Egypt, countries like that? These are football crazy places with big populations. And hopefully it happens um, at the behest in 2030 of that Saudi bid, which is admittedly a joint bid, I think, with um, is it Greece and Egypt. Um, one of the. And Egypt, yeah. So, like, it, it's interesting. We'll see how the, the money plays out. But, um, you know, the, the idea of... I remember, you know, the, the Euros being an A-team tournament and so on. The idea of... I, I'm not mad on the, the how, how much the Euros has expanded. I'm certainly not mad on the talk of it expanding more down the line. But I'm totally with you on this. The groups have been... Um, they've been really, really tight. And there's been almost like a narrative all the way to the end. And don't tinker with it, you know, don't don't make stupid decisions now and bring other countries into it. It's it's harsh from an Irish perspective. It's going to be exceptionally hard for us to qualify uh, going forward. It's going to be exceptionally hard for us to qualify for anything going forward. But just leave it as it is. And I think it has, in fairness, the narratives have been have been immense for a tournament that is essentially septic from the outset. Uh, we got a uh, message in here. Santos beat a combined Bohemians from Condra selection 3-2 in 1962. Pele and his Santos teammates drew a crowd of over 30,000 to Dediman Park to play an exhibition match. Two pounds of tickets. So there you go. Wow. Back in the 60s. I'm genuinely amazing, JD, that Bose haven't brought out a jersey to honour Pele, but I'm sure that will happen um, you know, down the line because I didn't know much about that story. Bose, Bose are uh, David McWilliams even on his podcast this week extolling Bose, how clever they are. And I'm sure they'll 
it'll make uh, a bit of magic uh, about that as well because Daily Mount has an amazing um, history. But I mean, it's just a different time. If if Pele Pele's sickness during this World Cup does make you compare the, the I suppose the simple beauty of um, you know that that Brazilian team probably a lot of these players bought born out of poverty and became superstars compared to this World Cup, you know, which is slightly different. Yeah, there's a documentary in Pele, which which he's in it. Is is that is they're very good? It's definitely worth watching, folks. Yeah, um, John. Yes. Do you see the size of his size of his calves? Uh, no. Well, honestly, next time you see, next time if you watch that again, I I've seen that as well. Just look at the size of his calves. It's unbelievable. And what does that do in terms of a footballer's ability? Is it just strength? Is it a balance? Oh, strength! Ab- ab- absolutely. You know, minimum amount of backlift in terms of shooting, or all those kind of things. And it's just honestly the biggest set of calves of a footballer I've, I've ever seen in my life. And is, is there a certain training? Is it a natural thing, or is it like weights? No, I or? think that's just. A, I think it's just a natural thing. Genetics, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd have to ask. Big cyclists have, have JD. If you get into it, it's a it's it's the one thing. But like I, I was I was just writing JD uh, for a piece tomorrow about the likes of John Bond and say Fasile Vega, what they're doing for racing at the moment and keeping racing like uh, you know really topical among the people who actually love the sport. What did Pele do for this sport? Like what has he done? It's 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 absolutely incalculable. Well, um, I think uh, well, first of all, I don't think the South American team had won uh, in Europe um, or you know before 1958. So that's the first thing. Um, 17 years of age. You're talking about television coming into the world in the 50s mm. and 17-year-old wins the World Cup in, in, in Sweden. And then, as I said, from black and white to colour in 1970 uh, and the way FIFA, like before, unfortunately, when money uh, is so prevalent in something, there's always uh, ways and it can be manipulated. But in 1970 and then subsequent World Cups, you're beginning to see the colour of football in these different places when, when travel wasn't as um, prevalent as it is now. And there was a beauty of the colour. Uh, of the jerseys of of the football the the, the way it was played with such freedom and uh, that I think is the legacy of it of the Brazilian team that the freedom that they played with and the enjoyment that you would have yourself when you're taking the ball out and going outside into the garden or into the street and then trying to replicate these skills and um, often failing but trying is the most important thing so uh, it's it's really it's a mass media it's a culture thing it's a world culture thing that Pele was at the forefront of and probably the first global superstar in anything Mm. Uh, that, that team, that 1970s team, John, was the best team I've ever seen. Yeah. So there you go. And you're, what, 13 at the time, Mark, or something like that? Um, uh, yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. so um, for me... And John, you know, it's it, it's gas too, because as I say, he was a bit before my time. Do you know, do you know what my actual first real memory of Pele is? My actual first real mem- memory of Pele is Escape to Victory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which was, uh, I think, Ozzy Ardiles and Bobby Moore were in it as a kind of a... Um, well, loads. Uh, Thingy Osman. Ross Lasman, yeah. Ross Lasman, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Kevin O'Callaghan played in it. He's the Irish player. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Cali yeah, was in it. I think... I think as well, JD. Like, if you even if you if you ever um, if you're like a, an AstroTalk footballer, a lot be listening, and we talk about time time, and some kid rocks up to the game, and he's from like. He's from North Africa or he's from, like, say he's from even Spain or Croatia or he's from somewhere different. And you'll immediately see he plays the game differently. And I think if you saw that Brazil team for the first time, say, in the 70s, and you were brought up with the diet of, say, British or Irish-style football and played the way it was, and you looked at this, it probably made you reimagine everything that was possible about football. But then the Dutch did that. Mm. The Dutch did that Mm. four years later. They reimagined how the whole game was played in that, you know, when we have the ball, we attack. When we have it, uh, don't have it, we defend. 
and there's no such thing as positions. So um, there have been definitely movements and the 70 team was a movement and the Dutch team was a movement and the Barcelona team as a club team was a movement. And then the Italian mm-hmm. style, and they, they always said that the dream died in 1982, but maybe it didn't. Maybe actually there's room in the game for defensive play and tough play and keeping the ball out of the net, you know, so... Um, that's the, yeah, the Brazil the team of this year seems to combine an awful lot of, of that. And I know we'll talk about them later on, but um, they have been incredibly, incredibly impressive out of possession. Forget about the, the loss yesterday. And it, it'll be an interesting thing to see because they are a fusion of the beauty of the game and also the pragmatic side of it. And Netherlands won USA nil. Memphis Depay scoring uh, early on. It's the 23rd minute now in this last 16 first game. Uh, the winners of this play either Argentina or Australia. They meet at 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, Laro, Lina Messi, not as fast as he was, but still is the conductor of the orchestra. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And just if you watch, sometimes when the game's going on and around him and he, he's not near the ball, but just watch how he takes up different positions. It's just fabulous. He's, he is the conductor. It's a really good description. Um, he's, he'll never lose his range of passing, his ability to see passes that no one else sees. Obviously, the, the, the goal he scored in, I think it was the first game, wasn't it? Um, and he's, he's, st- he's still, for me, he's still absolutely brilliant. I was watching the documentary about him last night, actually, which is incredible. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's amazing. No, the iPlayer like, is now uh, geo-blocked. I think it might be a Brexit thing. Uh, all right, OK. But it was... Uh, it showed him at like five and six playing in playing in this in these games in uh, in Argentina, and it, it's just spellbinding. It really seriously is. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, but I think they've got a lot to do, Argentina, to be honest with you. But I I liked them the other night because I just thought they, they've got a little bit of nastiness about them as well. Now they're a little bit hungry. You know, obviously the first result was poor, and they've really got on at it and. They look a different team. I love it when they play up right on the edge. I think that's the best way that Argentina can play. And then when he's obviously playing and he's getting the ball, it makes all the difference. And you know, from I, th- the- I think Go on, Johnny. as well, JD, they, it's probably it's it's really um, a positive thing to see a team that is genuinely progressing as the tournament develops. I mean, yeah. whatever about the Saudi game against Mexico, I don't know what you thought. Like Laro, against Mexico, I thought they looked very, very one dimensional, and they kind of needed a bit of genius from Messi. Whereas against yeah. Poland the other night, it was like as if this team had suddenly had suddenly been liberated from the shackles. And despite the fact that obviously Di Maria has lost a yard and Messi might have lost two yards, it looked like they could score whenever they wanted. Really, and um, I, I'm suddenly wondering now: Are they becoming a factor in this tournament? I think it, it massively, obviously tell massively a factor. Like, mm. to be fair to Scaloni, he hasn't been afraid to make changes. He made five changes for the Mexico game and four for the game yeah. against Poland, and he brought that young lad Enzo Fernandez uh, into mm. the team. Uh, only 21. He brought Alvarez into the team uh, up front, um, and he scored. So he's. I, th- I think that's a really important thing in the World Cup that you know managers have to be adaptable and flexible, and that might be the case. And we've seen it with Roberto Martinez. And we've seen it with uh, other coaches that they're too conservative and they don't change things. That's the worry with England. Yeah, mind you, mind you, you can't have two centre backs in total nearly eighty, can you? Which, which I think <laughs> the Belgians had, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. or or three. Um, yeah. And Johnny, when you when you say they're starting to become a factor, would you not have fancied them heading into the tournament? I I would have always. <laughs> You know, I would have possibly thought they would have made a final only for the fact that, they, you know, it was fairly clear they'd run into Brazil in the semi-final and I think that's where they could come undone. But I, I would have been surprised. I would be surprised if they didn't go as far as the semi-final at least. I mean, they'll, you know, they're yeah, actually, a pretty I was, decent um, side with the best player in the world in it. I mentioned them at the start, sir. I mean, we've, we've had this conversation where it wasn't the World Cup that really floated my boat and I don't see Argentina play like almost at all. So I was looking at the mm. record. They did an unbelievable unbeaten run. And then I was thinking, well, if they can fuse, um, you know, a, a very, very solid defence, 
thing about World Cup is like when you get to the last 16, it's basically about just not conceding as much as you can and and you will get chances and they are solid enough defensively. And I'm thinking, you know, Messi um, is, is actually coming into the World Cup in good form. But I, I mean, I watched them against, obviously the Saudis was a bit of a, bit of a one in a million event but the, I thought against Mexico they just looked slow and Mexico parked the bus and eventually they obviously won relatively comfortably but for me it was the, the from the get-go against Poland the other night I, I fancied Poland to give them a game like Lewandowski looked like um, he was in another country to the rest of the Polish team he was that isolated and obviously his own lack of pace in was problematic in that um, he couldn't kind of run the channels and Poland Poland couldn't get the ball at all. They had one chance, obviously, early in the second half after Argentina had gone ahead. Um, but other than that, I thought this was a really, really uh, like a statement performance from Argentina. And I think, um, JD, you did say this before the tournament. You're like, whatever your inhibitions and whatever your concerns are about the tournament, it will suck you in. And when you hear Messi's name just being roared by like 70,000 people in the crowd um, at a game on the TV, you're, you are sucked in. And, and you know, I... I was uh, talking to my dad during the week, who's like, he's in his 80th year now, and he's watching the World Cup, and he would love Argentina to win it because he loves Messi. And that's what it is. Yeah, and it's also... It's interesting that you say yeah. they were sound defensively, Johnny. I, I was actually surprised. Um, John, I, I don't know if you saw much of it as well, but I thought Romero was was very poor in the first game. Was fit. Not fit, um, not fit. And mm. No, and it didn't surprise me at all when Martinez came in. But then it really did surprise me when Martinez was left back out for Romero in the third group game. I assumed that was the end of Romero at the World Cup and that Martinez would, would stay as, as Otimendi's centre-back partner. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward because he, he looked a lot better than Romero to me. Well, well players have been taking out their club seasons uh, quite quickly. Uh, they're playing matches in a short space of time and there's not much recovery time. And uh, you could th- see that and say the tardis possibly of the Poles in the second half against Argentina. And that's why France and Brazil have had a luxury now with their squads and their qualification and Portugal as well, <laughs> that they've been able to play weaker teams and have more of a break now going into the last 16 as the Dutch attack 1-0 against the USA. They lead Memphis to pie. Um, will they just park the bus, Australia, do you think, Laro, later on? Within reason, John, yeah. I don't, I don't think you're gonna, they're going to go and take um, Argentina on. But w- within reason, I think it'll just be, you know, try, try and get through the first half and then have a little look at it. Um, he's been quite brave with his substitutions. The American manager has impressed me, actually. I mean, they're fantastically athletic. Um, and you can just see that, that they're sitting quite easily in the games that they played. So... I thought they were very good against England, which didn't take a this lot is America, yeah, on, sorry, on the just, on the day. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I, I think they will. But I tell you what, they, they they won't they won't lose for want of not trying. I mean, they're unbelievable and they're they're, un, they're fantastically fit, all of them, up and down, up all the time. This is America now. We're playing uh, the Netherlands at yeah. the moment. Australia versus Argentina this evening. And I know we sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we got a text. It's here. hard to see JD like when they took on to the start that they got against France when you're taking on that caliber of opposition and they I mean they were just lambs to the slaughter afterwards it's I think Argentina's confidence is just going to skyrocket after it. particularly obviously I think the Mexico game Messi's goal and everything I think that really galvanized them but um, I, I'd be amazed if Argentina caused, were caused too many problems tonight the guy with the suits wearing orange sunglasses definitely the best fashion I've seen in the last few days uh, Hi JD 53106 never ride off the soccer ruse Messi doesn't have the pace as you mentioned and he won't win any challenges in the air we've got a 6 foot 6 central defender that's on fire says Tony in Kilkenny on 53106. Um, so are you Shane Keegan bought into Argentina being in the semi-final and contending to win this? Yeah, yeah, I definitely am, John. I mean, I agree with your text or what they're after saying there, okay? It's obvious to us all Messi doesn't have, have the pace anymore, okay? But 
what has Messi been for for the last you know fifteen years? He's he's either played at nine or he's played at seven or eleven. I just think I just think Messi has so many years left left in left in his legs as a ten. You know, a ten doesn't need pace. Just just play him now in that little pocket behind the centre forward, surround him with pace, and just let him pull the strings because. That's the difference between Messi and Ronaldo. They've both been in the top probably three finishers in the world for the last, as I say, you know, 10, 15 years there, thereabouts. But the difference has been that throughout that whole period, Messi has also been in the top three assisters in football in the world, in my opinion. I mean, he's just, his eye for a pass is arguably even better than his, his ability Shane, to score a goal. Shane, in a hypothetical Argentina, France, or a hypothetical Argentina, Brazil situation, though, is it, like, is it possible Messi will just be fair? Like, he'd be he'd be basically stopped to the extent that either Brazil or France will have far too much going forward to just hurt this Argentinian team. Because if you do sit off Argentina, um, and Poland just were unable to do it, if you do sit off them and and, and keep Messi relatively quiet, as I mentioned, Di Maria's kind of his legs are gone. It's still hard enough, is it, to see them like beating maybe two teams of the caliber of the two teams I mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I agreed. I, I don't think they'll go the whole way. I think I think if they run into Brazil in the semi-final, I do think that could be the could be the end of the road for them all right, Johnny. Um look, the only way it's probably not the end of the world is if Messi has one of his top, top, top games. Now that's not beyond the realms of possibility either. Like if Messi has a ten out of ten game, whatever team he is playing for probably wins that match. He is capable of at his very, very best beating any team in, in the world almost single-handedly. So he's that's not, not beyond the possibility. He can't, but... he can't give a 10 out of 10 anymore at his age, like in, in against proper opposition, in my view. He's just, he just he's too far off the pace to do that. I think a lot depends on the service, boys, doesn't he? Because mm. if, he, if he doesn't get the proper service, he, he can't be as, obviously, as effective in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. And look, the support cast is... The support cast is... Decent without being fantastic. I do mm. think I do think Julian Alvarez coming into the team has been a big a big help. He's 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 been decent. Um, in fairness, and his link up play with Messi seems to be good. Um, but it's not it's nowhere near as star studded as the Brazilian lineup. Absolutely, it's nowhere near as star studded as the as the French lineup. Despite the fact that France are without Pogba and Benzema, it's still not as as star studded. Um, I mean. <laughs> I'll be honest here. I'll hold my hand up. I probably had my 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 the, the famous Anton Yemi one on Talksport. I had my own private little Anton Yemi moment there earlier in the year when I seen uh when I seen Alexis McAllister playing for for Brighton and I was trying to figure out how is this fella not been capped for Scotland yet. <laughs> <laughs> he's he, he's been good. He's been very very good. Yeah. Um, I like him. I think he's done very very well. You know. Uh, 53106, why are you talking so much about Brazil and Argentina? Neither one in 20 years. No mention of France or Spain, says Edward and Wicklow. Edward, the good news is we're on air till five and we're going to get through all of the main protagonists here on Football Saturday with Laro, with Shane Keegan and with Johnny Ward. Just before we go to the break, uh, Bally Gunner and Bally A level at six points apiece in the Munster Club hurling final after 15 minutes in Thurlis. Connacht 7, Benetton Treviso nil at the sports ground in the United Rugby Championship. Remember, it's Leinster Ulster at the RDS at 7.35. And a shock in the Tingle Creek chase. Edward Stone, 5-1, wins from Greenateen, 2-1, with Shishkin, the 6-5 favourite, back in third. Off the ball Saturday News Talk, and Football Saturday is back after the break. Text us, 53106. 
And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, as always, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off the Ball. Listen across the country on your radio and News Talk. Delighted to have your company. Also, you can watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. We're joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland international and Liverpool legend Mark Lawrence and Cove Ramblers manager Shane Keegan and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny. Ward. And Netherlands won the USA nil in the opening last 16 game 40 minutes on the watch and Memphis Depay scoring after 10 minutes and since then the Dutch have been uh, not your father or your grandfather's Holland but very much a pragmatic defensive smothering unit and have mm. really got the uh, USA out of their shape Laura you're watching would you agree? Yeah most definitely there's, there's basically obviously Pulisic is really early chance at 1-0 to make it 1-0 after 3 minutes and Holland, uh, sorry, Netherlands goal. And after that, the game's a little bit of a nothing at the moment. Yeah, so the USA have got to find something from somewhere, maybe a set piece mm. or something, because at the moment it's the Dutch uh, and Louis van Gaal pragmatic and potentially into that quarterfinal of the World Cup. Uh, England-Senegal-Laro tomorrow at seven. Who should Gareth Southgate play? Talking to me? Yeah. Um, who should he... Well, I'd, I'd like to see him just go with, with uh, Rice... In terms of you know defensive holding midfield player, call it what what you will, and and just get an extra attacking player in there because I think Senegal, I think they'll I think they'll sit in, make it really really difficult. That's and play on the break. I think that's the only way they could possibly win that game. And the problem is with Gareth Southgate that in the really big games he tends to play with two holding midfield players, but they basically just duplicate what the other one does. So um that that's what I'd like to see from 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 their point of view. They've got look, it doesn't matter who they play in wide areas, they've got outstanding players there. Um defensively they they've looked okay. Harry Maguire's having a, a good tournament. So they sh- they should get through. But um it's England and um you know it's they can be really, really funny at times. In games, you expect them to win and win easily. They actually really, really struggle. But I expect them to beat to beat Senegal. Is there a chance you go back to a three in the tournament market defensively? Uh, don't see it, John. Okay. Really, I don't see it. because I think I think one of those one of the reasons is because that um, that Harry Maguire's played really, really well, and in fact himself. Um, and Stones have come out with the ball and look, look really, really good players, which, you know, we always thought on the ball, they, they both could always play. And it was as though they weren't allowed to come out and play. And they, they've come out and played and gone into midfield, which has made a difference most definitely. But I mean, it drives you mad with England, isn't it? Because, you you know, the newspapers, so they, they beat Iran. And Iran, went. that was never their game, was it, Iran? They knew they'd struggle against England. Their game was always the second game. Uh, the one against the Welsh, and all of a sudden they win by six, and they're brilliant. The you know the world beaters are going to smash everybody, and then the next game, I thought USA basically held them at arm's length, and um, and then in the third game, England obviously won. But it's it's just England; it's the way that they are. But that but honestly, over here, John, it's just mad. You know, you're brilliant or you're absolute rubbish. There can't be no in between. But when they're brilliant, it's even more sickening because they think, for goodness sake. Yeah, it's uh, but it's been like that a long time, hasn't it? As Timothy yeah. Weah draws a shot out of um, nothing there and uh, tests Andries Nappert, but the Dutch uh, keep preparing it away. Still 1-0 to Holland against the USA. Does that put pressure on the players, you think, Mark, or are they well insulated from that? No, I, think that I, think, I think they're used to it. Well insulated, call it what you will. Um, 
they're, they're in that bubble, aren't they, as well? So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a problem. Um, and I think they've got some good characters in there. I mean, everyone's saying that, you know, that Henderson made all the difference the other night because he was he's, he organises all the time. You always hear his voice. He's always telling people where to go, what to do, all those kind of things, etc. cetera. But um, do, you want, do you need him and Rice in there? I don't think so, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Do you, do you play Foden and Rashford, Mark? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other thing is you can bring the other two lads on, can't you? Yeah. So that it's just, that's just not an issue. If they if after 60 minutes and it's quite possible tomorrow that after 60 minutes, England haven't really done much. You just stick the other boys on. And, and that's where they are. So, so lucky. Yeah. Shane Keegan, how would you set up England if you were coaching and you guard Southgate's uh, waist, waistcoat on as it were? Yeah, well, well, the first thing is obviously, John. He does. He has. He has an embarrassment of riches in the final third. He really, really does. Um, we knew that going into the tournament. I suppose the big question mark going into the tournament was, you know, would he have a setup that would allow all those attacking players off the leash enough to actually do some damage? Um, and to be fair, you know, two out of three games they have done, and you've had. Saka and Sterling start the first one and both have really good games and then Rashford and Foden start the third one and have really good games. I would be I would be like Laro, I would go with uh Foden and Rashford. I think when you look at the way Harry Kane plays, um I think Rashford is the ideal foil for 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 Harry Kane because yeah. for all the goals he scores, John obviously he 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 does like to drop deep and he has he's a tremendous passer of a ball, absolutely tremendous passer of a ball. But that only works if you've got somebody direct with a direct running style and pace in front of that. And look, it's not that Sterling is is slow, but he's likely to run kind of into wider areas. I suppose Rashford just just goes exactly where Harry Kane would be wanting him to head, um, and I think that makes sense and. In, on Foden, look, I'm, I'm just amazed it took this long to put him into the team. I, you know, I think if England are going to go a long way, he could potentially... 2-0 to the Netherlands. 2-0 to the Netherlands. And they lead the USA coming up to half-time. So, that looks like Jamie Blint, who's got it. It was an absolute replica of the first goal. Honestly, co- carbon copy of the first goal. It's amazing. Pass from the right on the floor, just past the penalty spot, and Blint coming onto it and just really... Transferring all the weight on the ball into the far into the bottom corner. Wow, the Dutch are three games away potentially well. from winning the World Cup. Yeah, you wonder, JD, if we speak about Brazil potentially galvanising. I definitely think the Van Hal situation. I mean, it's not a great Dutch team. Um, you mentioned yourself; they they don't have even that many kind of offensive names that you would say, "Oh, yeah, well, this is an amazing Dutch team." That that Dutch team that changed football under Cruyff and all that. It's it's a pragmatic team, but. They just the body language is really encouraging. It's a goal from Blind right for half time, and like USA had been well in the game, especially when they've been well in the game at nil all and a great chance. But they're on the way. They're on the march. To the Dutch now at the last eight, and who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's Very poignant. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pragmatic, Johnny. But they're but they're still like yeah, that's your right wing back crossing to your left wing back to score. Like that's you know that's pretty attacking. Um, so it is. So yeah, I I I thought they'd struggle in this match more than they have now. To be honest with you, I thought they'd find this one a really really tough one. Um, but yeah, they're 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 looking good based on this. Dumfries is a super player, lads. He's he really is a super player. He's mm. he is so man to get up and down. Um, he must be up there with one of the top assisters in the tournament so far. He's 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 a brilliant bit of stuff. Half time was just gone. The Netherlands to the USA nil. And look, it could be a little bit like Bertrand Marwijk's Mar- 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 uh, Dutch team in 2010. Quite a pragmatic team. Now, they did, to be fair, have Wesley Schneider back then. Um, 
to score goals. But uh, yeah, this this could be a Netherlands team that could threaten Argentina if Argentina can manage to overcome Australia. Um, Johnny, did we ask you about England? I can't remember if we did or not. No, I, I, I don't I don't know either in the sense of what team you should play. I think the four three three. I much prefer that to playing wing backs. Um, and Shane Shane spoke about this recently about Harry Kane. Like in terms of Harry Kane's passing ability is is probably actually not spoken about enough. And it's if you off have the, the scale, two lads, and I saw I've seen him twice that, live recently. He is incredible on the ball. Unbelievable! Like he's 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 probably not far off De Bruyne in some respects in terms of when he actually plays a pass, his ability to execute it uh, for a player who's like Harry Kane is, is a real example to a young footballer if you're if you uh, if you're not the quickest in the world, which he isn't. But he, he somehow just seems to make things uh, happen, and because his control is so good, his his awareness of the players around him is so good. But if 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 he does have say Foden and Rashford starting, and I, I'm delighted to see Rashford the form that he's coming into the tournament in and carrying that form into the England situation. If he does have the two of them. You're, you're as a team, and this is like playing France. You are petrified of France uh, in terms of their pace on the counter, but England do have a bit of that. I, I, I'm not saying that that midfield. I mean, I, I still wonder is Henderson. He's, he's probably edging a bit past his best. Will that midfield be good enough to carry them all the way? I'm not sure. But England can play. They can play a fairly pragmatic kind of um, situation themselves and drop drop those three midfielders back a little bit. I think Harry, Harry Maguire is having an outstanding tournament, in my view. I think his passing has been exceptional, albeit maybe not under huge pressure so far. But if they can stay in the game, and as Laura says, they have players to change it up, they, they might have a bit of a chance. Um, I thought, you know, I think they've also grown as the tournament have gone on. They've gotten over the Wales performance, and they've serious, serious attacking quality um, with Harry Kane as a sort of a quarterback. And, yeah, there'll be serious opposition for whoever they play. And as you mentioned, if the Dutch end up playing Argentina, what a game that would be. Well, given the history between the teams, uh, 78, mm. uh, 98 and uh, 2014. John? Yeah? The the first Dutch goal was a 21-sequence passes. That's right, yeah. That's right. Um, we're watching the screen here. Uh, Laro, did you ever feel, like I was talking about Harry Maguire there, that you were liberated sometimes when you went over to play for Ireland um, as opposed to your club team or... Uh, can players sometimes uh, have a, a different mindset when they maybe under pressure of their club and then go and play for the national side? Uh, no, I never, I never felt it. I mean, the, the, the thing was, I probably played as many games in midfield um, for Ireland as, um, so you know, half my caps. I would, I would have thought, no, I, no, it was. I felt quite liberated at Liverpool because you were allowed to go and play and express yourself. So. Um, no, it, but it was always <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? But it was always good to go because you, you met so many, of, obviously, of the other boys that were in the team and we just had a fantastic um, kind of unification between a lot of us. It, it, it was great. And if you consider that quite a few of us played for both Man United and, and for Liverpool, but it, it never kind of, it was never that way when, when we, all get, we all got together. And um, Sunday night in Gibneys in Malahide was like, just brilliant. So um felt like you're going on holiday, but then you played football. But obviously the football was serious. But that it was it was just it was like a nice break, if I can possibly say that. Right. So Gibneys is obviously there a long time then. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. And were you, were you was there be sing songs, Mark? Or? No, not on a Sunday. Um yeah. but we were allowed to go. I mean, Giles was was my first manager, player manager. Then we had Alan Kelly for Alan Kelly for a couple of games. We I knew extremely well because of Preston, uh, then Owen, etc., and Jack. And um, when Jack came, I don't know if I told you the story. We we missed the Liverpool lads missed the first game, and then the next time we were at home, 
I think I was, it, it made me captain because I was slightly older than Frank Stapleton, he said. And we all went to Gibner's. We all met at Gibner's and came back. And in the morning, we were ready to go on the bus and go and train. And Jack's really, really new to it all. And he called us all in and he said, we need to have a meeting inside. So we went inside and everything. And he said, like, he said, so he said to me, you just pointed at me. And I said, yeah. He said, you're the captain, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, uh, <laughs> where, where, where did you all go last night? And I said, Jack, we went we went to Gibney's in Malahide. I said, we always go. I said, the only difference was, Jack, that Giles used to let us stay out a little bit longer. I said, but we were back at 12 o'clock with you being the new manager. And he said, I'm, I'm going to find a lot of you. And I just said to him, well, I think that's a little bit unfair. He says, no. He says, but you know I'm finding you. And I just went, no, he said, because you never invited me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, that's, a, that's a good story. Simpler times. Yeah, Jack Charlton, Asher, look. Uh, golden, yeah. the golden days, golden days. Yeah, yeah. Laro, uh, Shane Keegan and Johnny Ward are all on Football Saturday with us. If you want to get in touch, listeners out there, 5316 cost 30 cents. You can tweet us out off the ball. You can watch us on our YouTube stream as well, which is live at the moment if you're not listening on the radio. Uh, across the digital and social channels and get involved in the conversation there. Who's going to win the World Cup, folks? How do you want England to do? Do you want England to do well or do you want England to go out as soon as possible? And how do you feel uh, the competition's going from a football perspective? A lot of injury time, a lot of drama in the group stage, a lot of disappointments. The Belgians, the Germans, uh, Uruguay yesterday. I think a lot of people had a bit of schadenfreude about that. But um, who's your idea of the winner of the tournament of the World Cup this year? Uh, Just in terms of uh, what's going on elsewhere, remember we have... um, Baddy Gunner and Baddy A uh, beating the Munster Club Senior Hurling Championship semi-final. That threw in a sample stadium at 3.15 and at the moment Baddy Gunner lead Baddy A by 1.11 to 11 points at half time and in racing as well today. A lot of interesting scores uh, coming through as well. Um, it was Edwardstone who won the uh, Tinkle Creek Chase. Connacht lead Bennett on Treviso by 14 points to 7 at the sports ground in the United Rugby Championship. So Edwardstone was the big winner of the big race of the day. The grade 1 Tinkle Creek Chase, 5-1. to one. Shishkin only third, uh, which is interesting to see. And Cheltenham winners, uh, Levenbois, as uh, she won the... Um, Handicap hurdle there, price is 6-4. But Laro, Shane Keegan and Johnny Ward with us between 4 and 5. Don't go away on your radio on News Talk here. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Get more of the sports you love and sports extra with BT Sport and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us out off the ball. We're streaming the conversation just across the country on News Talk. Also watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. Join on the line by Laro, the Republic of Ireland legend and Liverpool legend. Co-Ramblers manager Shane Keegan and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. The Netherlands have got one foot in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. They lead the USA 2-0 with the second half just underway in Qatar. Uh, Memphis Depay on 10 minutes and uh, Daly Blind just before halftime with the Dutch goals. And Louis van Gaal, their pragmatic style is working. Very difficult to break down and you'd have to think that the Netherlands will be facing either Australia or Argentina. They meet at 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, Laro, France, Poland tomorrow. Um, Kylian Mbappe appears to be getting better and better. As a defender at the top level, how do you mark pace? Is it just a case of uh, when you're in a one-on-one situation, are there techniques or what can you do? Um, the only way, I mean, he's, he's unbelievably rapid is you just got to sort of try and get in front of him, which obviously is the most difficult thing. Um, and maybe, maybe if you think he's, he is predominantly right-footed, he's maybe trying to send him on his left and he may be not quite as quick, if that makes any sense. But 
once he's got the ball and he's and he's running at you, you're generally toast, aren't you? And we've we've seen that already. And the only other thing I would say, John, is is if you can stop the supply into him, then obviously he can't run past you. Did you have anybody of extreme pace that would run at you back in the day when you were a footballer? Uh, I think Lineker was probably one of the quick quickest. Although there was a lad that played for Burnley called Stevie Kingdom. Would you remember him? No, don't. No. He was lightning quick, but he couldn't play, thank God. Right, um, okay. But he, he, was un, he was unbelievably rapid. Okay. It really seriously was. But he'd like kick it past you and go past you, and then he'd miscontrol it or anything. So that was always good. Um, uh, Johnny, my, probably my highlight of my week, apart from the football, was uh, Je suis un baguette. I don't know if you saw that on, on, on Twitter, did you? I actually didn't. I'm not on Twitter, JD, so I, I apologize for that. Okay. Um, I, I saw some vague reference to it, but um, yeah, yeah I, it's some of these some of these memes. Um, I, I was just I was just saying to you at the uh, yeah, so I didn't see it. Sorry about that. Are you not a meme man, no? Ah, to an extent, like, but you know, it's like you know, you, you see this. Oh, you gotta you gotta look at this like uh, thirty second clip, and I'm like, wonder do I if, if I get to twenty five seconds and I'm disappointed. I did mean I was just texting you at the start uh, at half time there, JD. You mentioned Shishkin's performance. I don't know if you watched the race. No, I didn't see it. I'm I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on the on the Netherlands um, World Cup triumph here. Yeah, I think it will be a triumph. But um, if you do, if you are minded to have a little uh, bet about show oh, that's cleared off the line, the state's trying to get one back here. If you are minded to have a little bet in Cheltenham, Blue Lord will be running in the champion chase. He's thirty-three to one, and you can forget about Shishkin now after his last two performances. So thirty-three to one for the champion chase each way. Type of bet you like, JD, and could could you could be toasting some nice profits come March. Well, obviously responsibly, Johnny. Um... Blue Lord, Blue Blue Lord, responsibly, Laurel, responsibly. Okay, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> find a shop near you. Yeah, so um, I I don't know what's going to win the uh, the World Cup, JD, but I hope that's a little bit of each way value. Shane Keegan, did you see the just being baguette uh, Eddie O'Keefe from Limerick? Um, have about five million views. I did. Is that who he is? Yeah, from Lim- yeah, Limerick. Yeah, yeah. Why does that not surprise me? Um, yeah, it was one of the most. Irish, Irish clips you're you're ever going to get, really, wasn't it? Uh, I wonder, had he a, a French teacher in school who's very, very proud of his, his efforts now, JD? Yeah, no, I just love the way, the, the randomness of it, the brilliance of it, the fact that he just disappeared the moment he said it, and and then the kind of um, bemused reaction of the, the French gentleman who was on Le Keep on the, on the TV, and that's our contribution to the World Cup. But uh, uh, any, any, <laughs> any mad moments out there, listeners out there, when you've been on your travels as a football supporter with Ireland or with your club, any kind of crazy moments like that, if you want to get in touch, 53106. Um, the second string against uh, Tunisia, Shane, does that make France fresher or more overconfident possibly against the Poles? Yeah, well, look, I can I can see the thinking behind it, um, and it, look, it probably does make them fresher. But the thing for me there is is how poor the second string were. Um, you know, you you were looking at the names in that team, and you were Kamavinga, saying that's, that's yeah. still yeah, Kamavinga kind of in particular. Yeah, I mean, he's you know he's so exciting to watch, but they were poor. They were poor, um, and that you know you would have fancied them as being one of the teams that would have had massive strength in depth. But now all of a sudden. Um, you know, if plan A isn't going according to plan, they're looking at their bench and going, well, you know, nobody really caught the eye and said, it's me, it's me. You know, like, you see what you see what England subs have been doing when they're coming on and a couple more. I actually looked at a stat the other day, JD, 30, just over 35% of the goals um, in the tournament so far have either been scored or assisted by players who didn't start. So it just shows the impact substitutes are having in these games is is massive and so so important. 
um, and strength and depth, you know, particularly when we're looking at, you know, it might be something we were going to touch on, JD, but particularly when we're looking at games that are now 105 minutes long rather than 90 minutes mm. long, which as a League of Ireland manager, I'm, I'm dying to know when we're going to find out if this is going to apply in the League of Ireland because it fundamentally changes how you, how you go about training your team for mm. the demands of the game. Um, it's, a, it's a huge amount of extra time to be added on. But yeah, like I'm very, very surprised that a couple of those French players didn't really stick their hand up and, and say, OK, you've got you've got Mbappe, you've got Giroud, you've got Griezmann, but if that ain't going according to plan, I'm the one, get me on the pitch. Um, this was their opportunity to do so and and they didn't. Will it? Will that performance the other night bother those who are regular starters for them? Not at all. No, they'll probably yeah. feel they'll probably have been hoping they might disappoint, considering they were already guaranteed to be true anyway. Yeah, you can't really see the polls troubling them on the basis of what we've seen, Laro, tomorrow. No, well, I just felt sorry for Lewandowski the other night. He basically the only time he ever had the ball was in his own half with his back to the goal. Three people trying to take it off him. It was like. I just I looked at Poland and I just thought they were very very ordinary. Um, so now I, I can't see that to be honest with you. You've got Kanate, Varane, Aubameyang, um, William Saliba. They have a lot of talent. The French, yeah, defensively, yeah, most most, most definitely. But you know, listen, you know that th- they have bad days, don't they? Well, Switzerland, yeah. You know, so there's no, there's no doubt about it. So, and that's that's why this World Cup's been so interesting. And I mean. I'm still watching this game, as I'm sure you are, that, that you know, the USA are giving them still at 2-0 down, are giving Holland a, a really good game. Yeah. Really good game. 53106, uh, Mark and Paul McGrath, the best defenders we ever had, says one of our texters. Uh, Southgate doesn't seem to be able to combine attack and defence in a contemporary style. And another one, uh, tell Johnny to be careful of bigging up a quarterfinal between Argentina and the Netherlands. They played out a semi-final in 2014, a turgid 0-0 draw. They played a group yeah. game in 2006. Guess what? A 0-0 draw. And this Dutch team is awful to watch, says Brandon in Dublin. Uh, you do you do build up some of these games as well. And it, it does obviously get very cagey as it goes on. But I, I think we have the ingredients there. When you look at the teams that are left, uh, it's going to be, as we said at the outset, it's a terrible World Cup in many ways. But it's on the pitch, it's going to be so engaging. And you're going to get probably cagey sort of last eight games where it'll be decided by one moment of magic or that the goals expectancy is going to go way down. And uh, um, I just do feel that's the way, you know, Argentina are building up. I think it'll be really, really hard to call them in the Netherlands. I think I don't see either win in the tournament, but really, really hard to call at least. Laro, do you think the extra time has been a good thing? These like Even yeah. in the game between Switzerland and Serbia last night, I was watching it, I think it was eight minutes and he went to about 11. Yeah, no, absolutely. If that, you know, if 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 they're obviously you know watching when the ball goes out or however they do it, absolutely. Why not? Same for both teams as well. And it's about time, isn't it? Because didn't the didn't the um, they look at it certainly in England, and it was like the ball was only in play for something like fifty four minutes or, or whatever it was. But yeah, if it's if it's time added on rightly, absolutely. Why not? Why not? Has VAR been a problem? Has it? Uh, Crap. Right. Honestly, John, seriously, I want to swear, but it, it's just—it's actually a joke. But the whole thing is now a joke, and, and the decisions they're making basically wasn't what VAR was intended for. And um, I, I, I just—you give up, don't you? Do you give up, Shane Keegan, the red VAR? Yeah, look, it's it's it depends what perspective you're looking at it from, John. Uh, you're looking at it as as a fan, as we are most of the time, or if I put myself in. A man in my manager's position, um, you know, I've had, I've had every manager will give you the same sob story, but I just feel I've had so many decisions go against me through the years where I'm thinking, 
oh, if, if VAR had been in place there, at least the referee would have been seen to have been wrong and, and that result, that, that decision might have been overturned that, you know, would I want VAR in the League of Ireland first division? I probably would because I think it would be a badly needed help that the mm. referees need. Um, but as a spectator, it's it definitely, it, it's killing things. It's, it really, really is killing things. And even as a player, I mean, the players must hate it. Do I celebrate? Do yeah. I not celebrate? Do I yeah. do a half-hearted attempt at celebrating? It's it's horrible for them. Uh, just think, just think, John, as a country, how many major tournaments we might have actually got to if they've had VAR when we were playing. Well, there was the Belgium 1982 uh, qualification uh, when we were um, absolutely robbed. Yeah. I think you played in that game, did you, Laura? I don't know if you played that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then there was yeah, obviously yeah. Thierry Henry. Uh, there was Bulgaria yeah. many times in the 70s. So, yeah, like... Uh, but then we never would have had the hand of God, would we? And sometimes life needs to be grey. Um, yeah, I can be. This is it. This is it, Jilly. I mean, it's just, there's not a you know, it's it's not a bad thing that sport has imperfections and you know referees make bad decisions and like spare some thought for the referee here as well. Like he he's he's become so much less important because you know it's been decided yeah. by above. And uh, what kills me is just the, the the lack of spontaneity and all this when. Um, you know the, the 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 Brazil goal that was disallowed um, against Switzerland for Richardson coming from an offside position and VAR. It was one of these moments where I'd say about four minutes later the goal was disallowed, and you're looking at it and you're like, actually, yeah, VAR got that right, but you know, no Swiss player appealed, and if it were given as a goal, was would that not have been better? Like, you know, it would have been a goal that should have been disallowed, but we've had four minutes of Brazil celebrations here, and now it's nil all again. Imagine Marco Tardelli's whole thing being wiped out, or um, the Maradona second goal yeah. against England, the '86 World Cup being wiped out because of some infringement in some part of the game. Like the like, life should be grey. I think we need to embrace the grey of life, the fact that life should not be black and white. And unfortunately, <laughs> in life, we're all trying to make life black and white and certain, and and I don't think that that that's good. Um, just in terms of villains, uh, we talk about VAR and Edinson Cavani. You don't saw people saw him like throwing the whole VAR monitor to the ground after Uruguay were knocked out of the World Cup yesterday on goal difference by South Korea. And Luis Suarez really like embraced the role of villain this week, Laro. Uh, it was. Uh, it's, do we need more villains in the game? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, with, with 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 Luis Suarez, it's it's always simmering, isn't it? I mean, at, the, at its best, it's simmering. So he just needs a little cause, and and he's off. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Look at Roy, Roy Keane. Absolutely. I mean, you know, something to talk about. Brilliant player, but you know, had his had his demons, and he let everybody know. Brilliant. Yeah. What about you, Shane Keegan? Any more villains in the game that you like to see, or do you think it's a good thing that we have the Suarez and the whole uh, soap opera of it? Because it seems well, like it's think... it's not contrived with Suarez. This is real. He was really in tears. He was really feeling this. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think I think I think Uruguay probably have enough villains to go around for the whole World Cup. Really, so they have. <laughs> they're they're priceless entertainment. They really, really are. Um, obviously, you had you had Darwin Nunes nearly starting a riot with his his attempt to flick the ball away at the penalty. Then you have Suarez just going around being Suarez, and then Cavani has a has a confrontation with the bar machine on the way off the field. They're priceless. I think that's brilliant. It adds it adds absolutely super entertainment to it. It really, really does. In in my opinion, is there any other villains there? Well, look, as Irish people, I suppose we still look at uh, Thierry Henry embracing Lukaku mm-hmm. as he came off in tears the other day, and. Uh, I suppose we were probably all wishing that Thierry had had a moment like a game like Lukaku had, so we could have had a little bit of a laugh at him somewhere along the line, you know. Yeah, but... See, I had no, I had no issue with Suarez at all, JD. I mean, Suarez handed the ball on the line, deciding that it's a penalty, right? Um, a penalty is less likely to 
you know, penalties, what? 77% of penalties are scored. Otherwise, it's 100% this is going to be a goal. I'm going to get sent off. This is within the rules. I, I, I It was a little bit unsportsmanlike, but what are you going to do? I mean, he, he did the thing to stop the ball going in the net, took the red card, and it worked. I, I, I don't... Suarez has done a lot of bad things on the pitch. To me, that wasn't one of them. No, but it fits the narrative of him being a villain. So I'm biting one moment, I'm saving, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking Ghana and hearts in the next moment. Yeah, but I wouldn't, like, the, the Thierry Henry one for me, um, I think that was just a horrible, horrible thing to do in that, like, he knew he'd done wrong, he handled the ball, and then he, like, you know, sat down beside Richard Dunn on uh, on the pitch after the game as if, oh my God, it's so it's so tough on you. Suarez just did what was the pragmatic thing at the time, and if Ireland needed that to be France in the Euro qualifiers, um, you know, in March or whatever, whenever we're playing them, and somebody handled on the line the last minute. Absolutely, of course you should do it. William Gallas scored the goal, and William Gallas and Thierry Henry were both born the same day of the same year, which is a very unusual and weird and boring stat. <laughs> um, <laughs> as were uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy and Patrick Kluivert. As the Dutch, uh, without van Nistelrooy and Kluivert, because they've long retired, uh, are 2-0 up against the USA in this World Cup last 16 game, 60 minutes on the watch in Qatar. And uh, the Dutch looking good at the moment for a quarterfinal spot. Um, back to the drawing board for the Belgians and the Germans, Laro. So it was just a step tournament too far, wasn't it, for the Belgians, really? Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was. And I mean, um, there was obviously ructions in the camp, wasn't there? I think De Bruyne seemed to have started it off uh, having a real go. Um, and they just played. I mean, if, if you watch them, they were always trying to protect the back players because they knew they, they were very slow, etc. And they, they never really got up the pitch in numbers. Um, and I just felt like most of them were kind of playing within themselves. It was like, we're not we're not going to qualify, so let's not bother about it and we can go home and have a few weeks off. Yeah. Have they wasted their um, players uh, over the years, uh, Shane Keegan? I, don't, I actually don't think they have because, like, Roberto Martinez was not in charge in 2016. He brought them to the World Cup semi-finals the last time. They lost to the champions narrowly. Um, maybe since then it's not been as good as it could have been. But for one tournament, I thought they were decent. And I think he had them ranked number one in the world for for. Just shows how ridiculous months. the world rankings are. Three and a half years yeah. they were ranked number one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, look, they had they had very very good players. Look, there's very little Roberto Martinez could do about the fact that Eden Hazard as a player just fell off a cliff. Um, if he had been able to maintain the the, the ability and the standards and the performances he was giving during his prime years at Chelsea. And I mean, he's not a guy who should be over the hill. He's absolutely not a guy who should be over the hill. Well, here's one for you, Shane. Well, here's one for you, Shane, right. So at the, at the end of last season, um, Conor Kearns at Galway United started making um, terrible mistakes that seemed like totally out of character for him. Do you, do you, does, does the manager take any responsibility for, say, Lukaku's inability to concert, convert one of like three sinners the other day? Okay, I, I think, now I know on the surface of it, you're probably going to say, how can you say that? But I think we're being a little bit overly harsh on Lukaku here, right? Because okay. the four, I, one of the three chances, yeah, absolutely, okay? The second one, the ball is is coming fizzing at him, the one that goes low and hard and hits off his knee and, and goes wide. I'm not too sure what he could have done, really. To, to It would have been very you know problematic there to try and, and shape his body in a way for anything else to go on. The last one, I'll tell you what, one man has got away with absolute murder here, and that's Dejan Lovren, because there is no way Lukaku could have anticipated that Dejan Lovren was going to miss that header. Any centre-half worth their salt heads that ball away, and that's what Lukaku was expecting to happen, as any normal human being would. How, How 
he literally ducked out of the way of the ball. Um, and I think, like, he couldn't have anticipated that. Okay, you might say a good striker should always be anticipating a mistake by a defender, but, I mean, that was a routine header. Lukaku thinks it's a routine header, and before he knows it, it's hit him in the chest, and the ball is trickled into the keeper's hands, and he looks like a, a, a clown. But I, I let him... I let him off the hook a little bit more than than, than people are, are are coming at there. But look, the people have these games. You're saying Connor Burns, I'm saying Lukaku. Sometimes things just trickle away from you. The, the important thing is, you'll have heard it before, Johnny, is this whole concept of the snowball effect. You know, trying to coach a player mentally that what happened with the last possession has no bearing on what you're going to do with the next possession. It doesn't. But yet, players allow it to happen. Last ball I got, I did brilliantly. Bet you I do brilliantly with the next ball I get. It's last confidence. ball I got, I made it. Last ball, I, exactly. Last ball I got, I made a hames of it. Next ball that comes to me, oh, Lord, I, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to make a hames of it again. Like, you know, the real top players don't suffer from that. The real no, top right. players don't suffer from that. They're able to take one incident in isolation and brush it to one side, and the next ball is a fresh ball. How, how long had he not played for? Since August. Since August, well, yeah, I'd, I'd give him, I'd give him a lot of leeway. To be honest with you, lots, lots of leeway. I mean, he looked, he looked big as well, didn't he? And they, they've yeah, obviously, no. they've obviously just taken a chance and chucked him on. Yes, he should have scored one of them, most definitely. But yeah, they, they can't heap the, the blame on him because he played. Sorry, yeah, you said the tournament too far, JD. I mean, th- th- that Belgian team should be in the last sixteen. Like whatever about Lukaku being rusty with De Bruyne, with the likes of Tielemans, with the players that they have, even even some more working like players like Bitzel at this stage, they should be good yeah, enough, and uh, they weren't. Yeah, sorry, uh, thirty-one minutes since August he played, and they scored. I, they scored one goal from thirty-four shots in three matches. Um, they weren't. They, they never played like a team, John. Though they were, they, yeah. they were just all playing for themselves. You could see it from day one. That's why Brazil. I think what Chichi did last night is very important for Brazil. Everybody in the Brazilian squad has played, apart yeah. from the third choice goalkeeper. I think, from a unity point of view, I think that's a really big thing for Brazil. Uh, by the well, way, they, they'll all they'll all feel part of it now. Yeah. You can, you know, no matter how many times you sit on the subs bench and you watch brilliant first team play. Once, once you you're involved in it and you do you do feel part of it, it, it makes a massive difference. Like Gabriel Jesus, Rudy, Ru- Rudy spoke about it in one of his Times pieces recently. JD Laurie might have seen it where he talks about uh, that when you go to a tournament like this, it's all about the, the potential assassins within your dressing room and within mm. your group. Those guys who can just you know can kill you, can absolutely kill you by bringing down the whole place and. Like you say, Brazil have, have, have played a blinder there in that, you know, they should be in a position now where there's no assassins. Everybody should be, be reasonably happy. Who said that, Shane? Rooney. Rooney had it in one of his times, Colin. Oh, Wayne Rooney, um, sorry. Recently, JD. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, OK. Um, Netherlands 2, USA 0. Um, like, I just think, like, you know, Leandro Trossard is one of the most... Um, I just like players of like that. I don't think got enough of a look in in Belgium in recent years. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, it just seemed to me too, too much of a stale team. And and if there's if issues in the camp uh, are coming out into the public domain, then you really know there's an issue. I think, and that's that's oh yeah, and that's definitely yeah, yeah, what yeah. we we saw there. Um, by the way, the Irish but, rugby sevens lost uh, to South Africa twenty one five in their match in Dubai. They got a silver medal in that. Laura, you want to say something there? I've forgotten what I was going to say. Oh, Carry right. on. It's okay. <laughs> Um, Once you went into the rugby, I just glazed over. Yeah, uh, ba- Bally Gunner one nineteen, Bally A sixteen points after fifty one minutes of the uh, Munster Club hurling final at Semple Stadium. Bally Gunner beginning to turn the screw. The All Ireland champions. Good news for Connacht fans: twenty four points 
to seven. They lead Benetton Treviso with the sports ground that matches into the second half. It is Leinster against Ulster at 7.35 at the RDS. Still, uh, Netherlands to the USA, nil. The Germans, uh, Laro, um, were they unlucky? No. No, no, they weren't. They just, they just, you know, again, again, you know, look at Muller and one or two of the others. It's just, no, they, they, they've lost. You know, when you always played against Germany, you knew, you knew that whatever happened, you'd really, really, at the very least, struggle, struggle to beat them. Um, and they always, they always had special players. You look at them now, John, and they, they just they just haven't got those anymore. And, you know, it's the great thing, I think, about that football is it really, and sport, is it's cyclical, isn't it? And their time's up. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, you wouldn't have sat in that dressing room waiting to play Germany, looking at their team and being like, oh, my God, we're in for a tough time today because they're, they're just not that kind of team anymore, I'm afraid. Yeah. I don't think you ever played against Germany. Did you for the Republic of Ireland, Laura? Uh, no, no, no. Um, Japan, on the other hand, uh, Shane Coleman, our breakfast presenter, was lauding their technique against the Spanish, even though they didn't have that much possession and just feels they're a really good technical team and they play Croatia next. Are Japan a team that have impressed you, Laro, in the tournament so far? Yeah, no, they have. They have because I think in tournaments before they've been somewhat naive and, and the reason they were because they didn't get, manage to be able to get the experience. As I said to you at the start of the programme, that, you know, teams like that have, have really come on and, um, you know, they're very, very fit. You can see that every single Japanese player, whatever the manager says to him, they take it completely in uh, and, and try and obviously work out what he's what he wants them to do, etc. No, I, I think they were good. Um, I'd like Croatia. You mentioned Croatia. I'd like them. I think they've got the, the three, the best three midfield players in the competition. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I... Listen, if they if, if if they play well defensively, I think I think they could go a long way. I think they're gonna be really, really difficult to play against. And by the way, they never stop. They lose a goal, they keep going. Um, and as I say, they just got players. The great thing for me watching them play, John, is is when the, the three midfield players get the ball, they always, always look forward. They never think about going back unless they're two 0 up with five minutes to go or something. It's always let's be positive, let's look forward, you know, let's carry on playing. And how many teams do you say that get the ball and it goes backwards? The three midfield players for Croatia, I just think, are outstanding. Look on that, JD. Yeah, the, if you're if you're if you're looking at um, Messi and I've, I've read um, the likes of say Gavin Cooney and um, other journalists who were. Watched the performance, uh, you know, the other night, and 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 basically were on Messi watch, and they wrote articles on Messi what he did during the game, and that he's now pulling back. He's actually looking the opposite way at times, blah 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 blah, because he's trying to manage his um, his legs. Modric is playing to me like a guy who's who's closer to seventeen than thirty seven at times. He's still doing all these runs. He still he still has all this energy. He he doesn't look like he's facially aged at all, and he's absolutely inspirational. Watch him. I think. Croatia defensively will probably run the ground at some stage, but like I, I've been amazed at Modric, just his indefatigable kind of um, attitude to the game and the fact that he's still able to do it in the middle of a season. Yeah, it's uh, Modric, Brozovic and Kovacic. I think if they're going to fall yeah. ground, it'll be actually in the attack. Um, I'm not so sure if they replace Mandzukic. I know Kramaric has had a good tournament so far, but that guy, Gavardial, um, is, is decent. And uh, that yeah. tackle he put in against Lukaku the other day was a lifesaver. He's only 20 years of age. Oh, no, he, he looks like he's going to become a player, most definitely. Um, well, John, you'd, argue, you'd argue he already is, but you know what I'm trying to say, a really good player. 
John, just just jumping back to Japan, there, um, you touched on them. I I think they're they're fascinating because I don't know if you've heard this. Some of the good lads might have heard this this style of coaching, cover cover coaching. It was set up by our man Will Cover, the seventies um, Dutch guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 it, that's become huge out there. They've really, really embraced it. And basically, the concept of cover coaching is it's all based on in possession of the ball. It's all based on your first touch, being able to do all the various different tricks in terms of dribbling it. Um, that, that's got really, really massive out there. And I remember um, Wenger way, way back when Wenger was at, I think I read it in his autobiography, Wenger said that when he was at Grandpa's Eight, um, he absolutely loved the mentality towards football out there. Like you say, jump day, were saying how high, like they couldn't get enough of work. They couldn't get enough of work. And the point he was trying to make was once these, once they start to develop a, a, a bit more technique and, and a bit more game know-how, he, he really fancied Japan to start becoming a, a, a real, real force in things. And I think that's what we're, we're starting to see. We've seen the two sides of it in that group in that when they've had the ball, um, their technique has been excellent. It's been, it's mm. been flawless. Their use of the ball has been really, really top class. Yet against Germany, they had 26% possession. Against Spain, they had 18% possession, won both games. So that showed their loving of work, their their willingness to work, 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 work when they don't have the ball. Um, you put those two things together and it's it's a, it's a lovely, it's a really, really nice mix to have in a team, you know? Yeah, Damien Duff was also um, praising them very much to the hilt as a team that are, are going places in football. You see it with the Scottish League as well, don't you, with the Japanese players there. Um, got a text in here on 53106. Can you um, ask uh, Mark about Denmark? What happened? Really fancied them to do well, says Carl. Yeah, so did I. Um, Can't score just, goals. No, exactly. But they just ne- they never really showed, did they? Um, no, they, they, they would be one of the big disappointments for me. And, you know, even, even the likes of Schmeichel just didn't look like it. It just looked like it was too many games, didn't it? It was like, well, we, it was almost like they were saying to themselves, we're not going to do very well in this competition. And you know what? They played exactly like that. And they were disappointed, most definitely. We're talking about... Um... Galas and Henri sharing a birthday and um, Van Lisa Roy and Cliver sharing a birthday and Rory Kilban has been in touch birthdays uh, all born on 28th of June since 1971 Kenny Cunningham and Fabian Barthez Elon Busk and me so uh, <laughs> and you did he mean himself yeah, or did he yeah, mean you no he meant himself I'm not that all old right, okay. um, sorry Rory he's not shy then no <laughs> um, Johnny do you share any birthdays with anybody famous um, obviously you're famous it's... yourself but you know you know what I'm saying well, this is it. Yeah. I, I, my, um, my, my birthday is eleventh of the eleventh, which is D Day, and I, I will quote my friend Robert uh, Pollock, who sent me uh, a birthday card uh, on my fortieth uh, last month uh, with uh, the words "Best we forget" on the outside, 11, 11, 2022. So there we are. Well, happy birthday, Johnny! And I, I don't think you can say anything better than that. Um, no. Uh, the Netherlands to the USA nil. Uh, Seventy-five minutes on the watch. Um, yeah, Japan, can they, so you fancy Croatia, how do you see this one going on Monday, Shane Keegan, Japan, Croatia? Um, I think it's, I think it's hard to be one of the toughest ones to call, I really, really do. Um, as Lauro has said, you know, that midfield is, is it's just metronomic, it really, really is, they're, they're, they're super in the way that, that they, they knock it around and they're a, they're a centre forward away from being a proper team that have a real, real rattle at this. Now, I would also go back to my friend there, Lovren. I think that's a, a bit of an issue for them um, as well, possibly. But 
like Japan possibly have the skill set to do this. I think we'll, they'll do exactly like we've seen them do against against Spain and Germany. I think they will sit off. They'll make it really, really hard for, for Croatia to find any space in, in the final third. And then they're electric breaking out. They really, really are. They've got so much... Goal, JD! Go you back! Know, go back! Through the games in the last 16. And if I was to pick one where Two I think through, it could be them. Well, you Go guys, back, you, you guys have your your screen is about three seconds ahead of mine. So, um, Johnny, I've given you the floor on that goal celebration, and you did a great job. Well, on it. I, I, I'm in I'm in uh, Dingle, JD, and I, I was walking um, Ventry Beach earlier, and uh, a geezer came up to me just praising off the ball Saturdays. So there you go, getting it all the time. So you'll be live with that. This is an amazing goal. It's a little kind of a back flick uh, from the 19. Who it's it's from the second phase of a corner, and it's just kind of spun into the back. Of the net, Hadji Wright. Hadji Wright has scored for the absolute, USA. Yeah. Hadji Wright, an absolute fluke. But uh, game on here. Oh, that was class. Did that come? Did that come off Van Dyke? No, it came off at the back of the um, Hadji Wright's uh, foot, I thought, and kind of okay. kind of scooped into the top of the net. Netherlands two, the USA one. They nearly scored a minute uh, before with it. There was a bad back pass, and the, the player unfortunately it was just like a really narrow angle. So game on here now. So you've been down to Pawdy's pub, have you yet, Johnny? I actually haven't. No, I've never been to Pawdy's Pub. Funny enough, but I uh, had a had a walk in Ventry, and uh, it is strange, JD. You 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 even in places like Dingle, you get a lot of like League of Ireland fans and a lot of lads mentioning off the ball. We we don't know the sway that we hold over the nation. Well, that's it. That's why you be careful what you say, Johnny. Um, <laughs> Laura, Laura, you ever been to Dingle? Uh, that moment, actually, Laura froze on the screen. So oh, to... sorry, I just missed that, John. Sorry, yeah. was um, have I been to Dingle? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. I've heard all yeah, about it. it. Oh. Crikey. Um, it is pound for pound uh, the coolest place in the world. Um, but um, speaking of uh, coolest places in the world, this this USA team, JD, is really making a match of this. The, the, the mm. Dutch looking all of a sudden very, very shaky. Yeah, it's, uh, they were cruising, weren't they, Holland? And they're 13 minutes away now uh, from the quarterfinals, but they're only 2-1 up against the United States. We're going to take a break. We're going to go to the break and talk about the rest of the last 16 matches. Uh, 5 3 one six, we'll get in touch with a question for Laro, uh, Johnny or Shane. And uh, just to update you on some scores... And this is in the hurling, uh, Bally Gunner and uh, Ballier, 19-16. And Colic now 24-14 points over uh, Benetton at the sports ground. We're back after this. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you as always until five. They're nearly there. They're nearly there. The Dutch 3-1 now against the United States. Denzel Dumfries with the third goal for Holland with only seven minutes to go. And Mark Lawrence, and he had a Pacific Ocean of space there. Yeah, they were just a little bit naive, weren't they? USA, they've been piling men forward. And then I think the three lads who were defended in the area just stood there. I think Dumfries had about, well, there was no one within like 15 foot of him. And he took it extremely well. But uh, that's that's the end for USA now, I'm afraid. Just a bit of naiveness. Uh, JD, just to, Johnny, was talk, Johnny was talking about the Dutch being pragmatic. <laughs> Marco, the famous Marco van Basten seems to agree. He's doing a, a Dutch TV and his halftime analysis was two great goals. The rest is something to cry about. Right. As a football lover, I ask myself, what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, but uh, they never won a world champ. Well, I suppose like he's the only man who's won anything, has he? Uh, in the European Championship 1988. But um, sometimes it's about winning as well, you know. And uh, Well, like- listen, listen. The, the Dutch are famous for getting through to uh, semi-finals of major con- competitions and having a massive row and all falling out with each other. Yeah, sometimes pragmatism is is, is underrated. I would say, um, 
By the way, Ballygunner folks have won that Munster Club hurling final. Uh, the All Ireland champions beating Ballyea one twenty three to seventeen points. Congratulations to the Waterford team. Uh, we have Johnny Ward and Shane Keegan also with Laro on the show today between now and five. Um, just on Brazil, um, do they need Neymar back, Laro, to win this thing? Um, no, they need him maybe for the bench in the final. Listen, I think I think when you play with with such a great player like that, and it's we we have no idea how big he's, uh, he is in in Brazil, and everybody loves him and all those kind of things. But lo- lots of players when they come into the teams, it's almost this thing: you've got to give it to Neymar, you've got to give it to Neymar. He's this, he's brilliant, he's whatever. And you know, sometimes when when the best player is not in, other people take on responsibility. And I, I think obviously forget about the last game, but. I think generally in in the second game that that's what happened and no I don't think you know I've watched him in major major competitions I can't honestly say that I've looked at him all over the course of a game and gone wow he was absolutely brilliant today I think I do think he is a little bit of a show pony I really do Johnny you've been dazzled by Brazil so far I just think you know they uh they've like you're speaking about France and Tunisia game I think the the, the Ability to kind of rest players for the last game um, against Cameroon and take it easy. I I I I've been mesmerised by them, Jitty and um, our friend uh, Dan McDonald spoke about them. You know, after the Switzerland game, kind of you know maybe reverting a little bit to basics. But I still thought there were flashes of of absolute brilliance in the game. Richardson did not have a good game. Obviously, Neymar wasn't playing, and yet they. What's impressed me most, and I know you've you've been watching uh, game to game, and you fans them to win. What what has impressed me most, Jiddy, is off the ball. They work very very hard at getting the ball back quickly, um, and it's really difficult to play against them. And for me, they've been the most impressive team. They'll probably need a small bit of luck to beat maybe France or Spain if they get there. But I I think they've been exceptional. And Martinelli was good last night. Uh, he was the bright spark. Guimaraes had a poor enough time of it when he came off the bench. Uh, didn't really execute that well. Um, I knew why they brought Marquinhos on because um, Alex, uh, just make sure I get this right, uh, Alex Tellez is out of the tournament now, um, as is Gabriel Jesus. So it's interesting that like they're, they're trying to get the experienced players on, just more, I think for more for combinations than anything else. Um, they're playing South Korea. You'd have to expect that they'd win that. Shane Keegan, uh, what about Spain? Uh, like this tick attack thing again, um, the lack of conviction the lack of uh, maybe leadership because 12 years ago you would have had the likes of Ramos and um, Puyol and these types of characters. Maybe they're a bit callow. Yeah, well, look, I think the big question mark which the manager has to try and decide in his head is is what is he going to do at nine? Is is he going with a nine or is he going with a false nine? Because that's going to fundamentally change how, how they go about it. Um Look, they look they look very very good to me. I know. Look, they 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 had the the one poor turnout, I suppose, but I think they have looked very very good. I'll tell you what, it does make me ask, um, lads, is and watching this Dutch game again here to get today, in which I think Frankie De Jong has been decent. Like you look at the performances Frankie De Jong has put in for Holland so far. You look at Pedri and Gabi's performances. Like, how have Barcelona capitulated <laughs> so much in the Champions League with, with three midfielders like that? It, it, I just can't wrap my head around it because they look like on the balance of things, there's probably only Modric ahead of those three in terms of the most outstanding midfielders in, in, in the World Cup from the group stages so far. So I, I don't know what's been going on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're good, John. I think, 
I think France, uh, am I right in saying we can get France-Spain on one side, can we? Yeah, no, um, the, the, the way this is going out, folks, just to kind of maybe distill it, it's going to probably be the Dutch against Argentina in one quarterfinal. The winners of that against possibly Brazil-Croatia or Brazil-Japan um, in the semi. So you're maybe thinking it's Brazil versus the Dutch or the Argentinian team. And then the other side is England-France in the quarter, you'd have to think. And the other quarter, probably Spain against Switzerland or Portugal. So you're looking at potentially an England-Spain semi-final, a France-Spain semi-final, a France-Portugal semi-final? Or Senegal. Or yeah. Senegal, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it, it actually is, joking aside, Jenny, it is a pity that they're not going to have Sadio Mane or address the game because yeah. it would have been mm. very interesting to see if they could have given give England. Now they could still give England the right good test. But, you know, they're two big, big players for them to be missing, unfortunately. Uh, like, turn off the lights if England lose that now tomorrow. Turn off the lights. No, no keep the lights on. No, forget about it. Forget about it. Um, because like, I, I think it's, it's, it's you know, we've had a, a lot of strife in the UK, I think, culturally over the last six, seven years, Brexit and everything, and, and, yeah. and the Boris Johnson era and everything. I don't think they'd be able to cope with the loss of Senegal, to be honest, tomorrow night. Um, mm. so I'd, I'd yeah. love to see Declan Rice win a World Cup. Uh, not... So I think um, Morocco. You read about them this morning. Like it's 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 funny. Um, Hakimi, isn't it the 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 Paris Saint Germain mm-hmm. player? Like Johnny, like it's the, the the stardom once again in these countries. Like because when you think about it, the Italian ninety in a capsule is one out of thirty two. You multiply that by thirty two. You see people in Melbourne at three a.m. in the morning. You see the, the what's done to Saudi Arabia and like people in head, headdresses crying in the stands. The Japanese, the South Koreans. Like this is uh, as somebody said to me. I think. Was Miguel Delaney or somebody? Or you said it about that. It's that it's the people's event. That it is like it really is something that is a reflection yeah. of the the positivity of humanity and the joy that this game can bring. Yeah, yeah um, b- back in something like 2016, my friend Julian um, had arranged that we would go to a Tunisia Algeria World Cup qualifier in um, I think it was Tunis, and there was eighty thousand people at the game, and um, he ended up getting. We ended up basically entering this reality TV show and we got to the last three or the last six at that stage. So we end up like going on the reality TV show. He gets a job in Paddy Power. Uh, I finished third and we never basically went to the match anyway. And it was one of my great regrets because it was two all draws. It was an unbelievable game. And I was looking back on videos of it and like, God, the atmosphere at these North African games is insane. You're not getting that in Qatar because Qatar is, is essentially a, a fake country with, with people who don't have that much interest in football. When you go to some of the other, shall we say, Arab countries, um, they're absolutely mesmerized by football and it's such a passion there and you can see the, the Moroccan fans how they are how they've embraced this tournament and I'd love to see them you know kick on and do well and that, that article I, I would mention again that Gavin wrote it's, yeah. it's it's really fascinating that Morocco have been turned down what was it JD like four or five times to host yeah. the World Cup now I wouldn't and say I wouldn't yeah. say Qatar is a fake country it's a fake edifice for football isn't yeah it? yeah it's it's it is what it is anyway. I don't know. I don't know what we want to call it at this stage. Do you know in Qatar, like about a hundred years ago, there were like twenty five thousand people living there. I rest my case. Anyway, okay. so uh, Morocco is not. It has a big population, and uh, they're a very good side as well. Very good side, and um, that North African influence has been great in the tournament. Can they cause trouble for Spain, Laro? In your view? Um, no. Okay. No, I just. I mean, I agree with what the boys are saying. I just think that. I just think the Spanish will. You'll see a completely different performance from them um, in the next game, and uh, 
I see them winning quite comfortably. I, I, I know about the argument about maybe false nine and all those kind of things, but they just need a couple of moments. Brilliant Spain. And I mean, that, that midfield with, with grandfather Busquets up, you know, just making sure he's in charge of operations. And look at, just look at the way they pass, how quickly they pass, how quickly they move. The whole thing, I just think they're a joy to watch. What about the Portuguese, Laura? No, thanks. Not for me. Not with Ronaldo in it now. I just think it's... No. Um, but, you know, listen, they're very good in competitions, aren't they? And they've got some other very good players, but I just I just don't get the Ronaldo thing anymore. And I just... I, I don't... I wouldn't have him in my team, John. Does that matter less, Johnny, the World Cup, do you think, with the Ronaldo thing from Portugal? I, I, I don't know. I mean, for, for me... Um... You know, he and Fernandez, there just seems to be tension between them. But I, I don't know. I mean, uh, is, his, is his ego still? His ego hasn't changed. I, I'm with Laura. I, I can't see with Portugal. I, I wouldn't be surprised they were knocked out, actually, either. And the Swiss are the team that could do that, Shane Keegan. Um, mm. Very good defensively, they were um, the first couple of games. And last night was they just crazy. They were excellent against Brazil, JD. They, really they were. were. They, they, were you know, they didn't have a shot in target. They needed a small bit of luck. Yeah. I know, they, but they, they managed them very well. And I they wasn't did. surprised to beat Serbia. They, I, I would fancy them to beat Portugal. What about you, Shane Keegan? I mean, Mbolo's yeah, there and Shakiri and that. Yeah. I'd have a slightly different take than the boys. I, I, I think Portugal probably do have enough about them. I think I get the point you were making. Is it easier to manage them, manage Ronaldo over a short space of time than long? I mean, the chances of any manager keeping Ronaldo happy now over a season is next to near impossible. But can you keep him happy just for a month? Um, Look, he, I still think he can come up with a big goal in a big game um, in terms of the final third of the field and creating goal-scoring chances. Bruno Fernandes has, has probably done that more than any other player in the tournament so far. He's been excellent. He's driving them forward. He really is driving them forward. I've been surprised that Rafael Leao hasn't had as much uh, game time as I would have expected to date. He's a player going into it that I thought would would be a breakout star here. I actually saw Reese James. Um, Reese James did one of these bloody Q&A yokes on, on social media there yesterday and he was asked for his three toughest opponents of all time um, uh, uh, in his career and he, he had Rafa Leao in that tree. So he's one I'd love to see kind of break into the team and, and, and get regular starts. Um, I think they will get over the Swiss. I still don't think, having said all that, I still don't think they'd have enough to beat Spain. Who's going to win it now, Shane Keegan? Who, who are you picking now? Yeah, Brazil to beat France in the final. Johnny Ward, what do you think about this? Who's gonna? What's it gonna be? Uh, I, I've come around to what's probably the wrong opinion that it's between Brazil and France now. I'm gonna be disappointed a bit with Spain as the tournament has gone on. Brazil or France, really? And Laro, how do you see it? Do you agree with the lads? No, I hate to see it, say it, but Brazil, England. Right. Okay. Oh wow. We'll have to get you back on then, Laro. Um, yeah. Well, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think, I just think this English team will get through. I really do. Well, Laro, your uh, screen is actually going dark for anybody watching here, and which is probably a result of you saying that on air on the radio here on News Talk yeah. today. So uh, we'll let you go, Laro. Uh, go it's on. obviously very sensitive, John. Yeah. Okay. Um, Laro, we'll get you to turn off that Zoom. Johnny and Shane, mind yourselves. Thanks, JD. I went over to Scotland about six weeks ago. We went on a whiskey distillery tour and it was just, it was sad and fantastic. And he was a, like a beautiful man, wonderful man. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.